Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Alex Youngblood with Real Estate Investing Mastery.com coming at you with another podcast. We were talking to the real deal people out there doing business and doing deals and making things happen. I've got my trusty and friendly and uh, great sidekick here, Joe McCall. How are you doing, man? Good, Alex. Good to hear your voice. I appreciate it. I, I, I like hearing your voice. In fact, <laughs> sometimes I go on the podcast and just listen so I can hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, the same. I do this. I do. I do the same thing, Alex. <laughs> anyway, um, if you're you're listening with us, we are so glad to have you on here. Uh, what we want you to do is go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. We've got a great free giveaway right there, so that you can check it out and start using it immediately. Um, it'd be, you know, it'd be really cool to see if um, some some people are taking this uh, this and, and and able to come up with uh, some deals and, and make some money um, by using this free tool. And we show you how to find deals, how to process leads, how to uh, to find buyers, um, and even use virtual assistants so you can automate the whole process. I mean, everything's right there. Um, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody would uh, write in and say, you know, the success that they've been having with that. So, hey, I'll maybe, tell you maybe, what. Maybe we can look forward to that. I tell you what, Alex. I'll give five hundred dollars to anybody oh to anybody who sends in a testimonial, a real testimonial, <laughs> a Dang. real testimony that says they took what we taught them in the pod, in the uh, fast cash survival kit and did a deal. Okay. Yeah, and I want to see a check. Copy of a check and a video, a video testimonial, and uh, and hey Alex, I'm gonna put you on the spot. You you want to throw in five hundred dollars too? Wow! Whoa! Whoa! whoa. Okay, how about so this? A thousand bucks? How about this? I don't know all that. It's, it's only five hundred dollars. Uh, you can't afford that. I can afford it. You yeah. want? But you want to do two fifty and two fifty? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do this. Um, uh, we'll we'll pick the best testimonial, okay? There we go. So we'll pick the best one. If you have done a deal f- taking our Fast Cash Survival Kit and you've done a deal, send us a video testimonial with a copy of a check and we'll pick the best one and I'll send you 500 bucks and maybe Alex will send 500 bucks. Come on, Alex, are you going to do it? Maybe. <laughs> sure, why not? Okay. So that's a thousand bucks. Come on, that's nothing, man. That's nothing. So okay, we'll we'll both send you five hundred dollars. We'll send you a thousand dollars. Whoever can send us a testimonial. Remember again, video with a copy of the check, and you have to download our fast cash survival kit and take what you've learned from that and do a deal, and we'll send you some money. I think there you go. And uh, let's say the the minimum profit on the deal has to be three grand. All right. All right. Minimum profit on the deal has to be three grand, and uh, we'll—I don't know when this deadline will be, but you know, <clears throat> we'll probably release this podcast a few weeks from now, and so let's just say four weeks 
after we release this podcast will be the contest deadline. Sounds good to me. I think uh, I think people are uh, now will be running over our site to go get that uh, free <laughs> free free resource, the Fast Cash Survival Kit, and you can make money with it, make, do a deal, and then get five hundred bucks times two on top of it. Come on now! All right, bring it on, bring it on. So. Um, so I, I wanted to read a review. We got a, one review here in iTunes I want to read. And um, it's uh, if, you, if you haven't already, please leave us a review in iTunes. We uh, love seeing reviews. And this is actually a review we got today. Uh, it nice. says, Yeah, this is uh, Charleston Surfman. Charleston Surfman. A surfer dude. Yes, five stars. Forget the gurus. Alex and Joe, tell it like it is. No guru style selling or super hype. These guys talk about their personal deals, which makes them the real deal. They also have a funny dynamic that keeps the show light and entertaining. We appreciate that. Appreciate that. And um, so leave us a review in iTunes. We got a bunch of them in here. I got like 141-something, four or five-star reviews. And uh, we sure appreciate that. Um, I wanted to – we have a guest today, uh, Rob Gillespie. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Rob? That's it, buddy. Yep. Gillespie, Rob, Rob the house guy, and um, he's from Cleveland, Ohio. And before we get into the interview, Rob, <clears throat> I wanted to read you and Alex um, an email, or it's actually a Facebook post. Uh, both Alex and I have uh, really dynamic Facebook groups. Uh, Alex is called um, Wholesaling Houses Full Time, and mine is called uh, Wholesaling Lease Options. And these are groups, and you they're open groups, but you have to request to join. It's a great place to go to ask questions. And um, uh, a gentleman named Rick posted, he's a new beginning investor, and he posted this question into my Facebook group. And I think he might have posted it in yours as well. I'm going to go ahead and read this and get your, get your feedback. Okay, Rob and, and Alex? Yeah. All right. Sure. He says, uh, I know a guy in town who was a realtor but has recently gotten into the REI market, real estate investing market. Because I'm starting my own wholesaling business, I sent him an email asking him for his thoughts about wholesaling real estate. Here's his reply. I thought I'd post it on here just to get some thoughts about what he wrote. Um, it, it, it was a downer to say the least. Now, this is about two paragraphs, so let me, let me read this. downer? Here. Yes. He said this was a downer. This realtor says, I am doing some property investing currently and have a little experience with wholesaling, but it isn't easy. Nothing is in this market. There is money to be made in real estate, no doubt, but so many people are out there trolling for it. Few things move quickly on the selling end after improvements, etc. But a really good deal disappears from the market in a matter of days, sometimes hours on the buying end. I've researched this market for months before buying a HUD house to flip. I bought it right, I made the improvements, I got it back on the market quickly, but the comps I used to price it while current were already too high when I put it on the market, so it sat, even with price reductions, for several months. I finally got a lease purchaser in the house, but they have until June to consummate the deal, so all my money is tied up in it. I say all that to say that this is a very dicey market, fraught with hidden reefs. There are a lot of success stories out there as well, but those are the exception, not the rule, Unless you already have a reputation, lots of cast, lots of cash, in, sor- in short, an existing pipeline. I'm not trying to discourage, discourage you, but I would not recommend real estate investing to anyone unless they had deep pockets and lots of time. 
You will probably wow. make money in the long run, but it may take some time to do so. The challenge for wholesalers is primarily to convince someone to tie to let you tie up their property for a period of time with little or no money down. If it's not a great deal to start with, your chances of finding someone to buy it quickly at a profit for you are not great. And if it is a good deal, you will be competing with dozens of other people looking for those deals. A friend of mine asked me to look for a deal for him last week. I found a HUD house that would be ideal, but 24 hours later when he was ready to move on, it was already under contract. That's how things go with the really great deals. If you have a contract written out and ready with just a few blanks to fill in, and you are the first one to see or hear about a potential deal, and you act immediately, and you can talk them into letting you tie it up, then it works. But that's a lot of ifs. I have a friend who occasionally makes some money off wholesale deals, and it is great, but it is the rare individual who makes a steady, reliable income from wholesaling. So that was a long, lengthy email. And maybe it was a realistic view. The point is, you know, it takes a lot of work. It's not like you can just push a few buttons and cross your fingers and have deals pouring into your lap. Obviously, it takes some work. But he's basically saying that it's the exception, it's not the rule. Um, and you have to have deep pockets and lots of time. So what would you guys say to that kind of an email? Or any typical email from somebody who says wholesaling doesn't work well i guess after listening to that can you understand me with the pistol in my mouth i feel like i'm committing suicide after listening to that like nothing works in life over. Um, this is all know, i'd love, love to say that he's completely wrong but the the truth of the matter is if you take an average of how many people are out there that use the the phrase i'm in the real estate business versus the amount of people that close deals he may be correct because there's a lot of folks out there that don't close anything and they don't do anything. But I think he's wrong on the fact that it takes a bunch of money and a bunch of time. It takes a bit of time to build your pipeline, and it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated to do. And the groups I run with, everybody's doing deals. So, I mean, I don't know. I think Absolutely. he's probably just a little bitter because he's sitting on a house forever. Well, it could be, and he overpaid it. Um, one of the things I, I brought up to this gentleman when I – responded, I said, um, why would you take advice from anybody about wholesaling when he says in his very first sentence, I don't have much experience in wholesaling? <laughs> Good point. Why would you listen to anybody? I mean, there's there's <laughs> tons of people out there who, who say it, real estate investing doesn't work. Well, if you ask them, have you ever done a deal? And they'll say, no. Well, of course it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work for you. But I mean, I don't know. I flipped over a hundred deals. Rob, how many deals do you typically do a month? I'm on track this year to do 96 in my market. 96? My local, my local market, yeah. All right, year. so that's, that's eight a month. Yeah, well, it, it goes up and down, but overall through the year, that's where it should land up by the, the end of December. So how, did, how many deals did you do in, in 2012? I'd have to go back and look and see the exact number. All together, but probably somewhere a little less than that. I wasn't quite as ramped up last year as I am this year, but it was still a substantial amount. Seven a month. I had months I'd have that many. I had months I'd have two. I mean, just okay. to be honest, there's, yeah. there's months I, I didn't crush, and there's months where you're like, "Holy crap!" If every month is like this, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I mean, I cracked fifty. Right. The point is, you did more than one. Right. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's all I do full time. <laughs> so, and Alex, does wholesaling work? 
Um, it might. <laughs> well, now, I, I will say, yeah, I will say, you know, I am in the real estate business. Um, I don't know if you want to say I'm in the wholesaling business because I try to find ways to make money on, you know, whatever lead that comes through the door. I, you know, I'm not very big on doing, um, <clears throat> uh, like, uh, you know, wholesaling lease options like you do. But um, I try to make, you know, like uh, the old um, Ron Legrand statement, being a transaction engineer, you know. I mean, I take deals um, and I've done new construction with them, land development. Um, I've done uh, rehabs and, and moved into doing things like that. Um, you know, so it, it just depends. You know, if you, you can do, you know, a whole bunch of smaller wholesale deals if you wanted to just by – you know, making a whole bunch of offers on HUDs and things like that and, and tying them up for smaller profits, um, you know, like REOs. For me, I would rather do a smaller amount of deals and um, do um, a, a – or have a larger profit per deal. Um, and by the way, you know, we were talking about – I can't remember if we had talked on the uh, previous uh, podcast about the deal that I got. For a hundred thousand under contract, and have um, now we actually got a contract yesterday for two hundred thousand. <laughs> uh, did you fix this property up or no? Nope. We got under contract one day for a hundred, and the next day for two hundred. Wow! Excellent. Very nice. Yes, we could fix it up and make more, but I think it's just too much of a chunk of a money right now to. Uh, to you know, just to, to let it to yeah, to tr- to attempt it. Don't screw it up. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we interviewed uh, a few months ago a, a student who's listening to the podcast. And uh, by the way, um, he's not he's not allowed to do this competition <laughs> that we talked about. Yeah, that's right. It was Scott. And uh, you cannot have done a deal before. We got to add that in there. Yeah, it has to be new <laughs> from like today on. But anyway, he did forty five thousand dollars. And, you know, all he did was stick in a, a little classified ad in one of those free local newspapers. And he got a guy called him up and said, basically, hey, man, I know you're an investor. I know you need a good deal. Look, this is what I need to sell this thing for, and, uh, but you've got to give me a contract today. And the guy looked. All he did was look at the tax assessor's website to see what the tax assessed value was and realized just from that alone it was a good deal. And he went to the guy's house, so got a contract signed, wholesaled it the next day or a few days later. Made a $45,000 profit on it. Wow. And, you know, he's just, you could call that luck, but I would just say no, man. I mean, he was taking steps to do um, what he was supposed to do, and he was in the right place at the right time. Not because of luck, but because he believed that you really could make money in this business. You could make money flipping properties. And some people that, you know, say, hey, Joe, this is supposed to be the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Why aren't you talking about other strategies, buy and hold and, and, um, you know, buying apartments or, or, or rehabbing and things like that. And I wish we would, and we want to interview more people like that. But I think wholesaling is, is foundational to all of investing. That's my personal opinion. You've got to know how to flip a deal for fast profit um, because when you don't have a big deal and when you don't have a house to rehab or you don't have much, you know, let's say you only have 10 rental properties and all of a sudden you have a bunch of vacancies, you need some cash to pay the bills. And sometimes you just need to know yeah. how to wholesale a deal. Um, and the more strategies and more different ways you know how to wholesale the deal, the better. 
but that's my uh, that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yep. So cool. Um, so hey, Rob, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, my, I'm, I'm just wondering if I'm allowed to enter this contest. If I can go download this and uh, give you a no, testimonial from you the have next to be deal, a like newbie. by Friday, I'll pick up a crayon. <laughs> you have to be a I've learned everything from you guys, if that helps. <laughs> 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 that, if that gives me $1,000, I'll beat that drum. <laughs> well, I think it's a good challenge. I mean, I'm excited about it, and uh, I want to see some people have some success and maybe this will be just the little thing that pushes somebody over the edge and says you know what i can do this i'm not going to let somebody steal my dreams you know right exactly it's just getting up and doing something i mean that's all it really takes is taking some action that guy would have never made that forty five thousand dollars if he didn't take the action right exactly and yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's one of the the problems with when I was talking before about a lot of real estate investors when we were talking about the success rate is everyone wants to take all the work out of real estate investing and wholesaling. And it's like I tell people, it's not like you're digging ditches for a living. I mean, you're on the phone talking to people and signing a piece of paper to make money. You should be able to do a whole lot of that. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, you're not on a roof in 90 degree weather doing a tear off. I mean, this isn't really work. When you pick up the phone asking someone that already <laughs> wants to sell their house if you can give them some cash. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, my, that's my two cents. Well, I, I was a roofer. That's good sense. I was a roofer for a summer. And, really? Uh, oh, man, that was horrible. Miserable. Wow. Yeah, it was just last, last summer. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, I, tell- I, I was, uh, yeah, I was in Iowa when I was. I hear the- you get a good tan that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was I was right out of high school and it was brutal work and I knew right then I did never wanted to do manual labor for a living. <laughs> My buddy has a roofing company, he does about four million a year. Obviously he's not on the roof, he's just it's just a company. And he has a great saying, he's like, If you're a roofer, something has gone seriously wrong in your life. <laughs> and I laugh like it's true because I mean everyone knows a roof's like, yeah, they've had a big problem of some sorts. But hey, you know, I always thought that manual labor was a Spanish man. <laughs> oh, come on, oh, Alex. Yeah. Alex. Alex, go, and, go ahead and say, say go ahead and say you're sorry, Alex, right now. <laughs> hey, if Armando Montalongo can use uh, illegal aliens on a TV show that's broadcast nationally, I think he could say that. <laughs> Good old Armando Montalongo, man. Armando, if you're listening to this, Alex, text me your um, phone number. And I'll, I'll give you Alex's. I'll give you Alex's phone number. <laughs> but uh, oh boy! So I, I'll apologize for Alex. Um, but I appreciate that. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just. But I'm, I'm not not knocking anybody who is doing manual labor for a living. I mean, God bless you. You guys are the ones that make this country run. And um, I'm not like, I'm not. Like, I don't want to be be like that. But um, you know, for many people that are working on the roofs or maybe uh, are, are cleaning toilets for a living. Um, they, they can, they can see this business and, and uh, I, I think, I think anybody can do this. It's not that difficult, but Rob, let's talk, let's go back to you. Um, you know, you got started in real estate probably a, a while ago. What were you doing in, before you got started in real estate, pre real estate days? Pre real estate. I came out of high school and I went through a, a tool and die apprenticeship. 
And it was, gosh, probably 1995, 96, something like that. And I started buying houses while I was still working in the factory. And I was on night shift, and I had enough time to be on day shift, but I chose to be on nights because during the days, I'd go look at houses. I thought I knew what I was doing. I knew nothing about real estate. I didn't hire any gurus, didn't read any books. I just kind of winged it and took the advice of a realtor that really didn't make any money. And I started buying houses, and I bought one double, then two, and then I bought two doubles on a lot, then a couple single families. And I don't know, I had 11 or 12 units at the time. And one day, I was standing there in the shop, and I, I looked across the, the, the room, and I used to crank the hours in. You got paid based on your hours and your apprenticeship. And I was making probably 48000 a year at that time, full benefits, union job. And I looked at a guy that was there for over 50 years. He had like 51 years in the shop, and he was a tool and die journeyman. And he was a dollar an hour ahead of me because it's union. You know exactly wow. what everyone makes. Wow. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is all I had to look forward to, a buck an hour. That's it. So at that time, I said, I'm going to quit. And I kind of told someone that, you know, it's like a gossip mill. So within about an hour and a half, everybody said, Rob's quitting, man. He's quitting. I can't believe this. And I was a third-year apprentice at the time. I didn't even finish the apprenticeship. And the boss came up to me and said, hey, Rob, I hear you're quitting. It's not that bad. I was like, no, nah, it's not bad. I go, it's just not for me. And he goes, do you want to think about it? I'm like, well, no, let's just go down to Human Resources and put my two weeks in. So wow. I went down put my two weeks in. And um, everyone, you know, kind of laughed and said, you're crazy and this and that. And I left. And day one of quitting, I thought, well, what do I do? I have no business plan. I didn't go to college. I, I didn't have any role models in business. I just knew nothing other than work. So my first day out, I went out on my friend's boat and just sat there. And I was like, well, I should have something to do to work. So I'd drive by my rentals and stuff. And then it started unwinding really quickly when I figured I didn't have a job. I couldn't get financing anymore. I had tenants that weren't paying me. I couldn't make house payments. I didn't know how to work on my own houses. And my whole world started falling apart pretty quickly. And that's when I learned about wholesaling deals. <laughs> so how did you learn about wholesaling? Well, I was uh, out of a job, dead broke, um, trying to collect rents at you know, 22 years old or whatever. It wasn't working out real well. And I'd ran across a hard money lender. And he was about an hour outside of Cleveland. And he had told me, he's like, Rob, because I've got this house over in the hood over on, I think it was East 80th or 81st or something. And he said, do you think you can find a buyer for it? I'm like, I don't know. What is it? And he goes, well, he goes, it's just a fixer-upper single family. He goes, I want $8,000 for it. If I get eight out of it, I'd be happy. At the time, that was a good deal. I mean, now you never pay for something like that in Cleveland. But I was like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. So I went and I, I found a loan officer and I said, hey, you guys want to invest in real estate, haven't you? He's like, yeah. I go, I've got a house for 10000 He's like, really? Where? And I showed it to him. And he's like, well, geez, where do I get the $10,000? So I found a hard money lender and I said, hey, will you give this guy a loan? He said, sure. So I made 2000 bucks on it. And I thought it was all the money in the world. I was so excited. Wow. And, uh, so I did it again across the street. And this time, I tried to build myself in for two, and they wouldn't let me cash out my $2,000, so I took a note for 2000 Still haven't gotten paid on that note. <laughs> I never got paid on that, and I, but then I started figuring out how to assign the contracts. So my next one, I locked in contract for ten and flipped it for twenty, and I made $10,000, and it was just all on from there. And that was in the mid-'90s? Yeah, it was mid-'90s, yeah. I mean, it was... I always tell the, the story, when I was wholesaling a lot of houses, my phone was still being charged by the minute. I mean, it wasn't like the unlimited stuff. 
I had a roll paper fax machine and there was no internet. If there was an internet, I didn't have it. <laughs> yeah. So until Al Gore got it going, <laughs> but that was it. So that I started really cranking up the machine. I was flipping a lot of houses and people were getting hard money loans. And then as a drug dealer would say, you know, I started getting high on my own supply and that's what you never want to do. I started thinking, well, geez, maybe I want to start buying these houses too. So I started buying a bunch of rehabs cash and then borrowing hard money to fix them up and didn't really know much about rehabbing or budgets or much of anything else. So I screwed up a good thing. That was pretty cool. And I had, I remember one time I had my hard money payments up to 15,000 a month going out. Wow. So I was just flipping houses to do nothing but pay interest. And then my, all of a sudden, you know, as they say that, you know, real estate's a, a great servant and a horrible master. And it was like, it was just on top of me. So I just kept flipping houses and trying to get out. And I finally got out from under all that junk and just, you know, now <laughs> you've know, got to figure it out that just you flip stuff and you're really uh, a little more calculated when you're going to buy, fix and sell and you don't take out hard money loans and stuff on a bunch of stuff. Well, talk about that a little bit. I, I like that. Real estate can be a great servant or a horrible master. Um, right. Why is that? Can you delve into that a little bit more? Well, it's like, you know... It, I learned early on, you know, it's great when I had a job and I had some assets that were just going to pay themselves down over the years and they were an investment. That's fine. But all of a sudden when you didn't have the money to support them and I didn't have a cash flow generator anymore to back me up and I'm trying to live off of so-called cash flow, it just got real ugly real quick. And then yeah, one time when you're proud to say you own a bunch of houses, now it's just a, a freaking nightmare that you're trying to feed. And you're doing everything just to feed your investment. So, yeah, you know, that that was it. So I just had to, uh, you know, it just. Alex, that, Al, the reason why we're pa- <laughs> the reason why we're pausing here is Alex is is texting us while we're talking. Yeah, oh, and I have yeah. HD okay. anyhow, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to try to read things while I'm talking, and I'll. <laughs> I can't. I can't even listen while you text me, Alex. Really? No, wow, I, I can't. That's like too many things at once. I, I can't I'm talk like on the, the phone super... with someone else in the room. They're on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we got about we got about thirty minutes left. Is that okay for you, Rob? Oh, that that's fine for me. I mean, I. I've got so many stories about <laughs> different things I've done and everything. So what else? I mean, so I, um, you, you've been wholesaling ever since the mid to late nineties. Then, oh yeah, uh, you've oh. seen a lot of changes in the market. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. And I've and wholesaling is you know my definition. I don't I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but my definition is wholesaling is just anything that you're locking up and take an equitable interest on a contract of some sort, and then selling your contract on it, whether it's a lease option, an option, or a purchase agreement. So that's always been my definition of it. And I've done all of them. Uh, one of my, a great deal, if you have time for a little bit of a story. Oh, this yeah, is, yeah. This was, a, this was a cool one in the 90s. And the reason I'm telling it is because it actually fast-forwards all the way up until a couple years ago, so, or a couple, a couple weeks ago, I should say. So it was, I was just starting to get my groove on when I started wholesaling a lot of houses. And I was at my friend's parents' party. So I'm there and, you know, I'm back. I'm the proud guy that, you know, can wholesale houses and I'm back on track and stuff. And my buddy's dad's friend that he worked with, 
said, hey, my kid's in real estate with uh, one of his friends, and they bought a house over in Lakewood, and they've had this thing like a year, and they can't sell it. Do you have any interest in buying it? I'm like, well, I'd look at it. Let me see what I can do. So I called the guy up on a Monday or Tuesday, and I go over there, and I meet them both over there, and they did a great job rehabbing this. I mean, they've been cutting the grass, and they took care of it, and they've been sitting empty for a year. So I put an option on the property. And this was back in the day when, you know, back in the late 90s when you could really, uh, you know, get financing for people pretty easily. So I put this option on the property and I said, all right, guys, let me call my office. So I called my office. And at that time, our database was literally pieces of paper. It wasn't like today when you're using all of these different things like FreedomSoft and stuff. We really just had files of people that would wanted to buy. And I found a guy that was financeable but need a little help with a, a seller carryback. Remember the days of the seller carrybacks? And um, the seller carryback, for anyone that's listening, is if the house is $100,000, the bank might lend them $90,000 as long as the seller would hold back $10,000. So they get in nothing down, hence part of the real estate crash. So anyhow, so I called this guy up. Long story short, in 45 minutes, I had the house flipped and made money. I recorded the option, and... My friend said to this day, and he tells this story way better than I do. He said to this day, he goes, I can remember looking at that HUD statement and seeing Robert Gillespie on there making $22,612 or whatever. He knows the dollar amount. It was, a little, it was over 20 though. And he goes, and I lost money. Wow. And his partner said, that Rob is an a-hole. And he goes, that Rob is my new best friend. <laughs> so, and I, so fast forward now, however many years it's been to present day and present day, he and I are still great friends to this day and hang out all the time. Matter of fact, after I get off this podcast, we're going to go blow the rest of the day off and go to the auto show. It's our annual auto show event where we go check out all the new rides. But at any rate, he has 136 properties. He's a real estate broker. He probably works. If that guy works three hours a day, I would be amazed. I would, and he just doesn't work. And I, make, and I am not taking full credit on that by any means like all that was because of me. But we have done lots of deals back and forth over the years. So this is actually going somewhere good, believe it or not. Yeah, this is good. So, so a couple weeks ago, he calls me up. Let me talk almost every day. And says, hey, Rob, you got to come check out my basement. Lives in like a 6,000 square foot ridiculous house. And says, you got to come see my basement. I spent like $100,000 in this basement. I'm like, all right, man, that's cool. I'm going to come check it out. And I go, we'll go grab lunch or something. So I go over there and I'm always busting his balls about that he doesn't work, has the easy life, lives in a great house. And just, just, you know, give him a hard time about everything constantly. And I'm always giving him a hard time because he wears like this $11,000 Rolex around. And th this is sounding guru-y, so I'm sorry. This is not <laughs> the point of it because they always go after all these guru things, but this is just a true story. His name's Joe, and I'll, I'd love to introduce you to him. Maybe he can give, come on your podcast sometime. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like the anti-guru. He doesn't do anything with the speaking or anything. But anyhow, so we get done, look at everything, and we go up to his uh, wife's office. She's in the mortgage business. She's one of their vice presidents for this big mortgage company. We're just yucking it up, and she shows me her watch now that matches his. And I'm like, you guys are freaking ridiculous, man. I'm like, I don't know. I make a good living, but geez. I'm like, I don't know how you spend that kind of money on a watch. And so that's crazy. I go, the day I have a Rolex is the day someone else buys it for me. I'll be cool with my Mavado. <laughs> right. And he looks over at his wife and nods and smiles. 
She opens the desk drawer, busts out a box, and hands it to me. He bought me a diamond dial Rolex date just, 10 grand. Wow. So I'm like, I was ready to cry, man. I'm like, I can't believe it. So I'm like, that was the greatest thing ever. I was like, well, I guess I got, I always made the joke, you get a free Rolex. I got my Rolex. Are yes, you- it's real. The next coast, everyone else goes, it's got to be fake. It's real. I took it to my jeweler. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy that double checked. And I'm like, holy crap, really did. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's good. Yeah. So I, do you still wear it today or do you, do you keep There's it only, in? No, it's only two weeks ago. Yeah. I don't have it because I have it on today, but yeah, normally I wear it. Normally I do wear it. Yeah. <laughs> so my whole story for that, my whole point of the story is that this is not a, a game of hunting. This business is a game of farming. Hmm. You know, you, you, when you get involved with a deal with someone, you've got to make sure it's win, win, win for everybody involved. And you're really trying to create a good situation to do multiple deals with the same people over and over and building your pipeline up and your network of individuals. And you can't go in and skin people because then you don't have stories like that to tell. <laughs> I mean, if you just take advantage of everyone you run across. So that the, the, goes to show for, you know, more than a decade or whatever, you know, we've hung out, done deals, and he's made a lot of money because of deals I flipped him. So some of those things in his 136 home portfolio are because of me. Excellent. So that's why the whole thing. Talk a little bit, Rob, about uh, how you find your deals. I like the phrase you use. It's not a hunting game. It's a game of farming. It's about networking and relationships, right? But Absolutely. You still have to do some marketing, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, what are some of your favorite ways to find deals? Oh, goodness. Well, we, do, we use a lot of Craigslist just because although it has been the death of the newspaper, it is a joy for everybody else because it's so easy to find people that are selling their homes and call up and talk to them. But we have a whole marketing system here at our office. We have filter rooms that we run them through. And we'll, we'll start out with emails and then phone and then sorting through paper, then goes to a phone call. And we actually fill out the property profile form. And my filter room that my people in there will take the, make the calls, ask the people, all the beds and bats and, you know, all the stuff that just drains your energy to listen to. And at the bottom, they put notes and they tell all about the, the person's demeanor, if they're an investor. Actually, the notes are really funny when you read them. And just, you know, so then when our closers get on the phone to close the deals, then we um, know exactly how to sell them. So that's my one way is just uh, running through the, the filter room there. Okay, so but go back to that a little bit. Um, you're finding people who are advertising their house for sale and for rent in Craigslist. Is that right? Correct. That's one of the methods, yes. Oh, so then you, you're not talking about p- posting ads in Craigslist? No. Okay. I have posted some ads in Craigslist, but we're just you know going through, you know, hey, you want to sell, we want to buy, we want to work out a deal. And then, yeah, we'd like to work something out. When Can we talk? Can we talk? And then... So it goes through a whole process before it actually gets to someone that's a decision maker. So we're not wasting our time getting burned out on it. What, uh, what is the message that you send to them when you first contact them? Would you be interested in uh, selling your home for you know, all cash, a little bit of a discount, or would you be interested in possibly some owner financing? Hmm. That's it. It's very simple. A couple lines. And... Um... I'm writing this down for notes, the show notes. By the way, if you want show notes, guys, I'm going to be adding them to the podcast on the website. But um, so you're you're just asking them, hey, do you want to sell your house? Would you like to sell? Well, obviously they want to sell because it's on there, and you know it'd be a little different if it's a for rent. I would just you know ask, hey, would you be interested in renting with the option to buy, or would you be interested in uh, selling it for all cash for a little bit of a discount? 
just very non-threatening. Like, hey, not looking like a, uh, you know, a big sales pitch or anything. Just I'm a normal guy sending you an email. And you start with emails then? I start with emails in that campaign, yeah. And that will do that. Sometimes if it looks really sexy, maybe we get right to a phone call. Okay. You know, a lot of investor stuff on Craigslist. You get you run across a lot of other investors, so that that's part of your advantage. Is you get a lot. You can almost build your buyers list. Oh yeah. By calling people that have a house for sale, a lot of them are just cash investors. So that's Craigslist. Um, that's Craigslist. What else um, do you do? I actually I, I posted yesterday because I always get asked about this. My yellow letter campaign. And th- this is where I have the controversy because I've been doing you know, letters forever and I have my own variation of it I created. And I'm like, I think I created the yellow letter. Everyone's like, you didn't invent yellow letter. But I'm like, I'm not saying the only one that invented it, but I'd ever read about it before I did it. And so actually I put my um, yellow letter thing up on uh, Alex's uh, webpage last night up on that Facebook because everyone was always asking. And what I do there is I just take uh, – Typing paper or blank, what it's not called typing paper, it's computer paper now. Sorry, I show my age. <laughs> and and I, I take that, and someone that has better handwriting than myself, I just write, hi there, I was driving by your house, this is for sale, I'm a local investor, I'd be interested in making you an all-cash offer if you're taking a little discount, or would you be interested in some owner financing, give me a call, Rob, and then I put my phone number on there. And if it's listed, I put, P.S., I know it's listed, you're in good hands, but call me if it expires. And that's just a variation. I could actually show you what it says. It says it actually on the, the video. And then we take that and we run that through a copy machine. And the copy machine, we, we instead of putting the white paper in there, we cut the bindings off the yellow letters and just run them off and run off thousands of them. And that way it's all truly handwritten and it's not trying to follow the lines on there. It just looks like you jotted it down in your car. Then we take all the expired listings or four sell by owners or four rents or whatever the list is in a certain area. And we run it through Google Streets and Maps. We create a route. And then we have taggers. And the taggers will go into a neighborhood. And they can tag about 100 houses in six hours if it's a pretty urban area. And uh, they go and they tape that that note on people's glass on their front doors or on the aluminum. But they never t- put on anything they can peel the paint. And we get about 8% response off that. Wait, wait. I, I, was, I missed that, Rob. I was actually going to the link. I'll put the link to the video you created that was in Facebook. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. And so um, while I was looking at that, I missed what you said about taping things on people's doors. Are you talking about like um, flyers? Well, yeah. Well, it's those yellow letters, and it looks like you truly just drove by and taped it on their door. And that's what you did. It looks like you hand wrote it. And, um, yeah, but we don't put on anything that could peel paint. I don't, want, I don't want someone peeling it off the front door, and all of a sudden there's a big white spot on there where it took the paint off. Yeah. So I say put it on glass or put it on the aluminum trim. Put it somewhere where it's going to be very visible because it's bright yellow flapping in the wind. I go, do not shove them in mailboxes. Front doors is where you want them. And again, 8% response on it. And who but are it, you put, whose doors are you putting those on? Uh, well, it depends the kind of list we're hitting, and it depends what it says. We have different letters, one for rents, one for listed homes, one for expired homes, and one for for sale by owners. So you have somebody driving around looking for these homes. You're not blanketing oh, a neighborhood. Oh, no. We're not driving around looking for them. We're strategically pulling them off of the internet, off the list, creating lists, and importing them over to Excel. I showed on the video how we do it, and then putting them in Google Streets and Maps, and then we send someone out on a mission for the day to hit an entire route. Wow. 
yeah, it's a whole mission. I mean, it's not like by accident. They'll carry some extras with them in case we missed a for rent in the middle of a bunch of for sales. So they'll go ahead and tag the for rent while they're out there. But they get paid per unit that they're out there. But it costs me less than a buck a piece by the time I do everything to get them out there and I get a great response. Well, that's, that's fascinating. I've, I've heard of guys doing post-it notes, and I've done that before. Yeah, very um, similar. But you're talking about you, you get a list of properties and you put them into a mapping, the Google Maps or something? Well, they take, we take the list. And I, again, I don't do this. We show on the video how to do it. Okay. My tech, my tech guy does it because I'm just not that tech savvy. And then he'll, he puts it into Excel and then takes it from Excel and puts it in the Google Streets and Maps and plans a route. Wow. So he just, from leaving the office or where they're leaving from, and they just go from house to house to house and it takes them, you know, six hours or so to hit a hundred of them. And then your phone is blowing up when that goes out. How does he plan the route? Is, is your tech guy there? Oh uh, yeah. Well, it's just, it's in the video. It's in Google Streets. Ah. Look up Google Streets and Maps and that's how you plan it. It says plan route. I, I've never heard of Google Maps before. Never? Yeah, Google just, Streets and Maps. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> I just walked right into it like, gosh, Joe, really? <laughs> but, I, I mean, I didn't know you could, you could, it could create a, a route for you yeah. to get all those properties. Yeah, you plan a route, and then it, it prints out like, you know, eight pieces of paper, and it just says, go up here, make a right, and four houses down on the right, there it is. And then your next one will be down three houses on the left, and just keeps telling you where to go. I love that. Yeah, so it's... It works well, so that, that gets us a big response. Excellent. And then next, bird dogs, man. I mean, okay. be, that's the beauty of this business. There's so many people that want to break into the business, and a lot of them will have to get up and go to go out there and find the houses, but then once they find the houses, they already don't know what to do with them. So I, I make a lot of relationships with those folks and uh, help them along and we do some deals together and I've got, you know, like I said, a farming man, it's back to, I have long-term good relationships with these people where they always call me first. How do you find your bird dogs? They, I call on, you know, the Craigslist stuff and you find people that are actually just bird dogs for other people. And they call me on houses and through referrals. I'm in BNI business networking international. You know what that is? Yeah. You find bird dogs <laughs> from BNI. BNI. I get a ton of business out of BNI. No way. I get a lot. I mean, BNI's been good for me because I'm the only real estate guy in there. I mean, we have a real estate agent in there, but I, I mean, my commercial, I mean, I, my tagline is, I don't want to list your house. I want to buy it. Nice. So I get a lot of stuff out of that. Now, are you licensed yourself, Rob? Or- no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. That's how I can cross the sign. If right. I were licensed, I couldn't cross a listing and, and put a tag on there saying, call me when your listing expires. And I, I believe me, I get some angry realtors that have called me. I don't do a lot of listed houses anymore because of that, because they're not so understanding when you, uh, when you tag their house. Well, yeah. And, I, it's, and I, my buddy Joe, the guy I was talking about, the Rolex guy, he, I mean, he's a broker, and he broke it down for me. He's like, listen, Rob, here's the deal. The truth of the matter is a lot of real estate agents just don't make any money. You have a guy that you know, got licensed, has been killing himself to get a listing. He finally gets a listing. He gets this listing. He's all excited. He puts the thing out there on the MLS, puts it in the newspaper, in Harmon Homes or whatever he does, and he's just waiting. And he's not getting any showings, really. And he's trying to explain to his sellers, don't worry, we're going to get this sold. And then 30 days into it, they're calling him up saying, hey, you're saying you can't sell my house. You have any showings whatsoever. I've got people taping notes on my door saying they want to buy it for cash. What's wrong with you? 
And meanwhile, this guy's like ready to blow a gas because he can't make his own house payment. And then he's calling me saying, what the F, Rob? <laughs> what are you doing? So I kind of started backing off that a little bit. And if I do tag the house, I, I say nice words about the realtor in my letter saying that you're in good hands. I recognize the name. But if it expires, call me. Well, there's nothing that says you can't do that. Not if you're not licensed. If you're licensed, you can't do it. But unlicensed, you can. And you're approaching it as a buyer. You you are uh-huh. you want to buy that house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Now, bird dogs work for you. Anything else that you like to do? Just networking, man. Networking is the best thing ever. The no like and trust factor is really hard to beat. You know, if someone says, hey, you got to talk to my neighbor – and they've already gone to their neighbor and said, man, my friend Rob's been buying houses for like 16 years. He'll write you a check. He'll be done with it. You don't have to think about it. Your house needs work. You know, you're moving out anyhow. Work with them. They really don't shop it too much. I mean, you know, you've had that warm introduction, and that helps me a lot more than anything for my marketing. It's, I think the cold stuff is the hardest when you just got to throw crap against the wall to see what sticks. Right. Are you doing any uh, Google pay-per-click? Online internet stuff? I am not. No. Mm-mm. No Google pay-per-click. Have you done that? A little bit, yeah. And Alex has done more than I have. I've tried, you know, uh, just a few months ago, I was trying Facebook ads for sellers. Yeah. And I only spent 50 bucks, so maybe I'm not the guy to – I'm not the expert for sure. But um, it didn't work, man. I, I had about 30-something clicks to my squeeze page and not one opt-in. Really? Yeah, and so I spent, I mean, whatever the numbers are, if I spent 50 bucks, I got 30 clicks, a little over $1.25 a click or something. Wow. What was the call to action once they got in there? It was just your, as a typical, I had two different squeeze pages I was testing, and they both had a little video on there, and I want to buy your house fast for cash, close on any date you choose. You know, I, I emphasized how easy it was and fast and, and uh, painless. Oh. It was. Heck, I want to call you. It sounds like a good call to me. <laughs> well, I I know, but I just think that Facebook's the wrong place to do that. Um, yeah. Because people, you know, most people aren't on Facebook looking for to sell their house. Now they'll go to Google and type in "sell my house fast," and yeah. that's a motivated seller. They want to sell their home. Right. Um, but depending on your market, that can be pretty pretty expensive. You can I've heard you can spend up to five seven bucks a click. Ooh. Um, sometimes on Google. Yeah, but, you know, Alex has a – I don't know if he's here. I know he was texting me. He had to go. But um, he just did a deal where he paid um, – uh, Alex, if you're there, go ahead and chime in. But um, he signed up for this lead service, and I forget what it's called. But uh, he pays $35 a lead from this service. Okay? That's a lot of money per lead, right? Yes, it is. And he's probably spending, I'm just going to guess, five $600 a month. Because uh-huh. he gets maybe 10 to 20 leads a month. Okay, he's, right. Let's say he's getting 20 leads a month. But he consistently does deals from that. And, mm-hmm. you know, would you spend five $600 to make five ten thousand $10,000? Sure. Of course. But, you know, when, when it comes, when you look at what you're spending per lead, 35 bucks per lead, that's, you know, that's hard to swallow. But, um, you know, if, if you've got a system down, I guess I wouldn't, I, what, what my point is, if you're getting started in this business, don't start with that. Um, but it's well, definitely no. something to look at. No, you can't. Unless you have someone 
in your corner that you're partnered with, like someone like you or I or whomever that actually knows what to do with the leads when they come in, you'll waste a lot of money. Yeah. Because I guarantee a new person that's spending thirty five dollars on those leads and spending five six hundred dollars, there's deals in there that they're just completely glossing over that they could have made a lot of money with. Mm-hmm. So you got to have someone in your corner that knows what the heck's going on. Well, you know, I've had um, you're talking about Craigslist, and I've had a lot of success over the years with Craigslist, and it's my favorite form of marketing. Yeah, because these are people who have their houses, they want to sell them, or they're vac they have vacancies and they need to rent them. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can, there's several things you can do. You can email them, you can call them, you can text message them. One of my favorite things to do is to slide dial them. Um, I have my VA go to slide dial, and what slide dial does is it bypasses the ringing on their phone and it goes right to their voicemail. And you just leave a simple message saying, hey, if you want to sell your house, give me a call. Wow, look at that. I, I never even heard of that. Well, you should. That's amazing. I know about it now. <laughs> slide dial. Put that in those notes so I can look at it. <laughs> it's S L Y D I A L. Slidial.com. What's it cost you? A nickel a call or something? Zero. It's free. What? Yeah. Now so seven free and it does so what's their why do they do it? Where how do they well, it, okay, for free, you do have to listen to a little advertisement, okay? You dial the slide dial number. I shouldn't be giving away all of my secrets here. We're, we're getting <laughs> I'll a, some good secrets. I'll give you something else before we hang up here that you can use. All right, all right. I'll give you another secret, too. All right. Remind me. I, it's about calling realtors. Uh, so the um, you, you, you dial the slide dial number. That's a 267 area code. You listen to a little ad. And then you dial the person's phone number. And if it's not a cell phone, then the phone will just start ringing, I think, or else it'll say cannot do it or whatever. But 75% of the time, the phone numbers in Craigslist are cell phones. Right. right. So if it'll bypass the ringing and go right to their voicemail, and you leave them a message. Uh, typically what I'll say is something like, hey, my name is Joe, and I saw your property on Craigslist. I'm an investor, and I'm looking for a property to buy in the area in the next 30 days, you're probably not interested in selling it. But if you are, give me a call, and I just leave a message. So it sounds really personal, and um, you can leave that message 100 times or have your VA leave that message, and uh, it, it's it's very friendly, and it doesn't sound salesy, I don't think. But, um, yeah, that's slide out. And if you do pay like 15 bucks a year, you can get it where you don't have to listen to any ads. Okay. And there's actually a, an iPhone app, if you pay that 15 bucks a year, where you can just dial the phone number you want to call from your iPhone app or your Android app, and it just automatically goes right to their voicemail. Huh. That's I'll, slick. That's very slick. Whereas a lot of times you don't want to talk to somebody because you know it's going to be long-winded and you don't have time. And yeah. So I would actually use that with some of my uh, friends, I think. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that because I I've used it too with people that I love very much. <laughs> like you know, it's gonna be an hour long conversation. Yeah, you just want to tell them something. <laughs> I've I've done it to my wife before. Oh man! All right, you hope you're editing this. Let's change the stuff. No, and, and I and I told I told her I told her that I did, and it was because it was because I was driving and the kids were really loud in the back and I just wanted to leave a message. I didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> And she understood. That's awesome. But uh, I, I know that there's other people listening to this who have done it to their loved ones as well. And, um, you know, so the other thing I like to do is um, I'll send a text message through Google Voice, and that's free. Oh. And uh, just text them, right? 
But there are so many creative different things you can do in this business. And um, don't forget your free tip because I got another one here uh, that I'll share with you real quick is um, calling realtors. Uh, I like calling realtors of pending listings and just saying, hey, man, if your listing falls through, call me. I'll buy it. Um, I don't know what the percentages are, but it, let's just say it's 5%, 10% of every contract that goes pending in the MLS will fall through. And if it's a fixer-upper, I want that realtor to call me immediately. I'll let that realtor represent me and get both sides of the commission, and I'll be their pocket cash buyer. Nice. And I've been doing that, and a lot of realtors are very receptive and open and appreciative that you would call them. And they'll say, well, just submit a backup offer. And I tell them, no, I don't do backup offers. I don't chase deals. But if it falls through, uh, give me a call, and I'll, I'll be glad to make an offer on it and let you represent me. Um, and then the, the other thing that I've not done yet but I'm kind of really interested in, and it's a little black hat. Uh-huh. Um, if you know what black hat means, it's uh-huh. kind of questionable. But um, – you can you can collect. I've already dug myself in a hole because it sounds horrible. <laughs> but you 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 collect. Oh, I'm just. I know people are going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> you you Not can kind of know. Well, okay. There's a somebody who called me who's doing this in another market. I'm not even going to say where, and they're doing really really well with it. They they will scrape emails from realtors. Just scrape, you know, 20,000 emails of realtors, however they get it, from wherever they get it from. And there's services that will email these realtors. And it's real simple. They'll just say, hey, if you have a property that needs a lot of work and that you're having a hard time selling on the MLS or you don't want to even list it on the MLS because it's so trashed and it's going to take, you know, more work than it's worth, call me. I'm a cash buyer and I love dirty, ugly stuff stinky properties and i'll buy every single one of them that you bring me and then pay you a commission it's just a simple email that they send uh-huh. on a mass scale to every realtor in their city and they get a tremendous response rate from it oh yeah they I've get done it. <laughs> oh you've done it i've done it yeah i all of it had, all of it's not good response rates right <laughs> I mean, it's not all like love mail back. No, no, you'll get. Yeah, he said you get a lot of angry, <laughs> angry uh, realtors replying to you. But uh, he said, amazing. I don't know why either. <laughs> I, I never care when someone gets mad when you want to make them money. Yeah, I don't understand it either. But the guy uh, loves it and swears by it. And um, so, before uh, we go into too much detail about. How you do that? Let's just change the subject. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. So, what what's your uh, what's your sneaky trick, Rob? I, I don't have any sneaky tricks. I'm just gonna go back to I, I'm just gonna beat the drum on the same thing I've, I've been saying the whole interview. And, and the two parts is one: the game of farming, not hunting. When someone says no to me, I look at everyone like it's kind of like dating. No means no for now. If you picked up a girl and you go back to the dating era and the first thing you do is you open the car door for her and then you walked around and hopped in the driver's seat and said, so, you want to go to a hotel and get busy? She's going to say no. What the heck? But that doesn't mean – that means no for now. That doesn't mean don't take her out to dinner and don't keep working on that for the next couple of weeks because she probably will say yes eventually. Otherwise, there would be no procreation going on. Nuffs would be here. So I think that same approach to um, – to sellers, <laughs> they'll say, no, no, I don't want to sell. You're right, I don't. And I put them into an autoresponder, and they're plugged in in the series, and their label is SF for future seller. 
and it hits them at 30, 60, 90 days, 180 days, a year, a year and a half, and two years, and sends them a, a custom email saying, hey, dear Joe, just Rob giving you a quick email, asking you about your house at 123 Elm Street. You still have it? Be interested in selling? If so, give me a buzz. And that's what just naturally goes out over the next two years, and you'd be amazed at how many houses come back in. They, they said no once, and so just throwing it away, you just wait. Oh, yeah. Well, that, your best list that you could ever acquire is your follow-up list. Yeah. That's more valuable than any list you can buy of, of actives or expireds or pendings or um, uh, absentee owners with equity, probates. Your best list that you could ever get is your follow-up list. Yeah, exactly, because they already know you, and they're just amazed that you're still in the game and you're talking to them. I would, I would guess that most guys who do a lot of marketing – um, we'll see probably 25% of their deals or more come from follow-up. Yeah, just following up. And we just locked one up uh, the other day, six months worth of uh, going back and forth for a lease. It's going to be a lease option flip on a 297 house at like 1800 a month. So that would nice. be a nice down payment. Now, I, I got a call the other day from a lady who had my postcard for a year. No, I've not followed up with her, okay? <laughs> but she had my postcard for a year and called me, and it wasn't even about the house that I that I sent her an email about. It was about another house that her uh, family member owned. Nice. And uh, we wholesaled that thing and made a nice little chunk of change. Um, so that's there's power in the follow up for sure. Uh, yeah, the the main power for anyone that's listening, if you're a newbie out there getting started. I asked this. I spoke at an event the other day. When I say speak at an event, it wasn't like an event. It was a. Um, it's a group of real estate investors. It's not really like a RIA group. There's probably 25 members. They get together for coffee once a month, and I was in there talking about how to deals and so forth. And I asked the question. I go, "How many people make at least five offers a week?" And I was going to escalate from there. One guy raised his hand. I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm not going to go any further." Wow. I was expect. I'm like, "You only make five offers a week?" I'm like, "Well, there's no wonder no one's doing any deals." You, you got to make offers. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the one takeaway I think that anyone should leave this with is we're offering machines. I'm writing that down. Yeah. And that's just what it takes. The, the amount of success you have is going to be directly reflected the amount of offers you make. Good deals just don't find you. No one's going to walk up to your front door of your house and knock on and say, hey, I have a house for half a market value. Would you like to buy it? This doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're not embarrassed of the offer you're making, you're offering too much. It's, you should have a hard time with the numbers rolling off your tongue. You should be like, I can't believe I'm saying this. That's about how it should be. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I wanted to talk to you real quick, Rob, and then we're almost done here. Mm-hmm. Um you flip properties that have equity and that don't have equity. Correct. Um, obviously, it's pretty simple. If a house has some equity in it, you make an offer. You probably make multiple offers, I'd imagine, sometimes. Absolutely. Every house gets two offers, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm imagining one of them is I'll buy it with cash or I'll buy it with on terms. Correct. Financing. Okay. So um, if, if a seller doesn't have equity, what, uh, how, does you, how do you structure your offers there? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you about a few of my different offers, my favorite ones, and then the methods I use, like how I unload them and make a profit on it. 
the no equity, $100,000 house payments, a thousand bucks a month, and they owe 95 on it. Just a simple, you know, round number deal. And that deal, we would do a 36 month lease option on it, and we would uh, we would lock it up. 36 month lease option, take care of all the uh, maintenance and the pay the thousand bucks a month form. They get pay off at the end of the day. And that would be it. And we do 36 months, so we'll give a 20% rent credit. And then we assign that off. So we'd put it out there at maybe like 115 or something, take five or $6,000 down. Then with the rent credits, they end up you know, rocking around $100,000 at the end of three years. So that's one option. Option two is we just offer all cash close quickly. My offers, I'm buying equity. They're going to start at 70 cents on a dollar. So that $100,000 house, my opening bid is going to be $70,000 on that. If it needs $10,000 in work, I'm taking it off of there. So now we're down to $60,000. Now, just because you're asking $100 does not mean I can't buy other things in that market for $70 already. So if you're already asking too much and I can really buy that house for $70, now my offer's $0.70 cents on that. So I'm at $49,000. Take $10,000 off. So it's $39. So you get a $39,000 cash offer on your $100,000 house. So those are my two offers. Mm-hmm. Um. If someone has, one of the things I like doing, and this works out pretty well for if you're in the right market, here in the Cleveland urban market, when you're in the war zones, I like to, I wouldn't say war zones, but, you know, the wet near west side and, you know, not real desirable, the city of Cleveland. A lot of people have houses that are free and clear. A lot of investors are burned out. They just don't want to manage their properties anymore. We'll go in and work out deals where they'll say, well, I want, you know, $20,000 for this house. And I was like, well, I could probably give you 10 cash, I guess. But I'd give you a little bit more if you would do uh, you know, 300 a month for 60 months, full close. And I'll get that a lot of times. And the houses are rented for 700 bucks, and they just don't want management anymore. So they'll take 300 a month for 60 months. And we're on deed. They get a first mortgage position. And then we'll go and we'll sell that deal for 5,000 bucks, or we'll just keep them sometimes. And those, those are nice IRA deals. So you're saying... Um, and you don't, you don't give that investor anything down, right? Nothing down, full close. So you're, you're going to cash them out in five years? Well, no, I, there, it's just a zero interest loan. I say you get 300 a month for 60 months and the mortgage is paid off. That's it. I'm taking oh, deed okay. right away. I can get a lot of those in the city of Cleveland. I've been doing more and more of those lately. But those are nice to make a, a quick $5,000 hit on because you can sell those to an investor that's you know maxed out and they can't go to the bank and get any more financing. They don't have a lot of cash, and say I'll give you a good cash flowing property. The thing's going to cost you three hundred a month for the next five years, but it brings in seven fifty, and after that's paid for. It's like give me five thousand bucks for the deal. So do you? Um, so do you just do a regular rental on that, or do you do you sell it on a wraparound mortgage? Create a sell out an owner financing. No, I just sell the whole deal, man. I just no, no. I'll, I mean, like to the tenant who's living in it. Oh, so a lot of times they're already occupied. A lot of times they already have a tenant in place. And if we replace that tenant, we'll put a tenant buyer in place. We'll do a rent to own on it. But if they're already in there, we don't rock the boat. They'll screw it up and leave eventually. Then we'll do a rent to own. But like my favorite deals, my favorite ones to do that are the most profitable are the double dips. And I'll give you an example of one I just did on one here in um, my hometown. And we bought a house for 30000 bucks. We locked it in contract for thirty, I should say. I assigned my contract for $10,000, so I made $10,000 on that, and I did the lease option. I sold it to somebody inside their IRA, inside of a Roth IRA. They were getting crappy returns in the stock market, so they rolled it over to a uh, self-directed, and they put 10 into it, so they're going to do this thing for a total of $50,000 now. 
So I made 10,000, put 10,000 into a certain total, total of 50. I put a rent to own person in there at 89, nine, uh, $4,500 down at 800 bucks a month for 36 months. And I kept the $4,500 down. So I made 10,000 on the front, made $4,500 with the tenant buyer. So that's a $14,500 hit all through assigning contracts. And this tenant buyer is getting a second chance of homeownership. So they'll cash out, I believe. We're working towards that at least. And my investor was getting crappy returns in the market. In the next 36 months, they're going to make a 99% return on their money tax-free instead of a Roth. So everyone won in that deal. And that, that's one of my favorite types of deals to do. I, I do a few of those that are nice. Have you? And I've been thinking about this lately because um, you could buy homes like that $20,000 property in the city all day long. And uh, I've been meeting people that um, are doing that and then turning around and selling them on not for rent to own, but on a to a tenant, to an owner occupant, somebody living in it, but will sell it um, on owner financing. Yeah. For the simple reason, it's 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 more ownership, right? And then that person is definitely responsible for all the maintenance and repairs and, and taking care of the home. Right. Uh, when if it's a rent to own, there's a little issue that could be involved, especially when you're in the city with um, being a landlord. Oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And like Cleveland's housing court is brutal. Right. Brutal. So, yeah. So why why would you have you considered that just doing owner financing on these homes to the buyer? I, w- I wouldn't do that at, on a twenty thousand dollar house. Um, that would be more of just an IRA type deal that I'd sell to one of my investors inside of an IRA. Um, but what I I would do that on a five thousand dollar house. Like I have one that uh, was brought to me last night for fifteen hundred bucks. It's a fixer upper in the hood. I'll probably just find a drug boy over there or something that wants to get in the real estate game and sell to him at full owner financing for like two hundred a month for the next sixty months or something for that. And I would just do a full owner finance deal on that. I would give him the deed and take a mortgage back. Okay. So on a cheap one, but not a twenty thousand. But I would do it on a, a cheap one. I would have thought twenty thousand was a cheap one. Well, twenty thousand in Cleveland will get you a a nice. That'll get you something that's nice and livable that'll bring you seven fifty eight hundred bucks a month. Okay, that's in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's cheap. But that one I talked about for thirty, that was actually in the suburbs. That was in Medina. That wow. picked up. So that was like an area that we would live in. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Does that sound bad to say that? <laughs> like we wouldn't live in other areas, but I, I've given up on trying to be politically correct on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah, we had a big debate, you know, a few episodes ago about whether Jason Kidd was white or not. Oh gosh, <laughs> and I, I, I don't even want to touch that. <laughs> I don't know. Is he? Do you think he's white? I don't know. I don't know who he is. Who's Jason Kidd? He's a basketball player. Oh, is he? I don't. Oh, well, probably not then. Well, I mean, he. he he uh, he kind of looks white, but I think his parents are um, African American. Oh, but yeah, maybe one of them is, one of them isn't. I don't know. It's like Mariah Carey. What is she? Is she black or white? I don't know. I thought she was Hispanic. See, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the heck I am. <laughs> so <laughs> we're a bunch of idiots. That's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hey Rob, you've been very gracious with your time. Sure, oh. appreciate it, man. Well, hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks. It's finally good to connect with you on here and. Uh, be a part of your show. I know you've got a, a pretty good thing going here. What? Uh, how can people get a hold of you? 
Well, I mean, I guess the easy way, you can go to my website, askthehouseguy.com. And uh, that's just my little video blog site where I answer a lot of real estate questions. Or uh, dare I give my phone number out on here? No, well, <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, just let people go to your website. Yeah, it's on there. It's on there. You can get a hold of me. I'm not saying that I jump and answer every call, but you know, you can get through my gatekeepers, and I'll get back to you. That's cool. Well, um, thank you very much, Rob. My phone's ringing off the hook. I'm late for a couple calls. I gotta go. But all right. Uh, thank you so much, you guys, and go to Real Estate Investing Mastery dot com to get our fast cash survival kit send us a testimonial we'll send you a thousand bucks and also i'm going to have a link to this yellow letter campaign that rob talked about um rob just don't change the link to this to this page um but i'm going to link to that and you can watch this video um it's about a 26 minute video it's very nice nicely done and um you get some great information there so uh alex had to take off um i think he had an appointment with a with a title company or something so uh, thanks so much rob all right thank you joe see you guys later bye-bye okay bye-bye